Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, car fans. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with our engineer and co-host, Mr. Mark Groves. Yo! And Mr. Corey Pratt, the madman mind that is behind Craving Cars on YouTube. Yep. That's me. In the news this week, lots of Corvette talk, because that's all I bothered to pick out. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? When you're the editor and you have the keys. Buy Mustang fans. Well, (laughs) there's there's a lot of crap going on in the Corvette world, and most of it revolves around the Z06. Z06 order banks are now open. GM is doing its best to keep customers from flipping high-demand cars like the Z06 and the new GMC Hummer EV. And a dealership is trying to hit customers with a (laughs) $100,000 premium. On mm. new Z06s. Our mm. special guests this week are Ed Bowley, $100,000. What does he think you have? A, a, a Cayman GT4 RS? Come on now. Yeah. Come on down. <laughs> oh, special rates in financing. <laughs> Leave her stacking yes. them deep and sell them really expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our special guests this week are Ed Bowley and John Ficara. Ed and John will be here to discuss the latest Car Trek series. Why Ed would get rid of the most reliable car he's ever owned and what it takes to launch a tub of crap Jaguar off the top of a mountain. Let's get to the news. From GM Authority, at long last, 2023 Z06 order banks are now open. Yeah, folks, you can get online and order your Corvette Z06. As it turns out, order banks for the Z06 have been open since July 28th. What? Three trim levels are available, 1, 2, and C. No, I'm kidding. 1LZ, 2LZ, and 3LZ, with all three trims available in either coupe or convertible body style. Pricing starts at 106 395 We talked about this a couple weeks back. Yep. That's for the base 1LZ coupe base. Base, yeah. right, which you'll Z06, never probably ever see. Right? Which will be one of the nicer cars you've ever owned. No cup holders. While the range-topping <laughs> 3LZ convertible starts at 127245 mm. Just like we talked about last week, GM is offering 500,000 My Chevrolet reward points to those 2023 Gorvette Z06 owners that retain ownership of their car for at least 12 months after purchase, which winds up being a $5,000 value that you can redeem for GM financial payments, Chevy accessories, and more. Keychains. Keychains, flip flops, yeah. beer koozies, <laughs> cedar uh, air fresheners, New Balance shoes. <laughs> Let's see what we got. <laughs> Jorts. Wow, Jorts. You, you slipped that in right between the ribs, man. There you go. Just, shank. I'll have you know I own zero pairs of New Balance shoes. Well, maybe because yours are classic. I, <laughs> I, bu- I buy Adidas, bitch. Oh, God, but they're, they're still Jordans. white. <laughs> Air Jordans. Black and red laces, too. Uh, hells yeah. There I haven't worn them in years. <laughs> Denim shorts. From roadandtrack.com. GM is to limit warranties and ban buyers to combat Z06 and Hummer EV flipping. Wah, wah. They're going to ban buyers. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. In addition to the effective $5,000 reward GM is offering buyers, which we were just making fun of, uh, to hang on to the Z06s for one year after purchase, a letter sent to dealerships has confirmed the second part of a two-step plan. This is our two-step plan. We will stop you. (laughs) You will not do this. They're going to combat resellers and flippers, restricting (laughs) the transferability of warranties. 
They're going to restrict the transferability of the warranties within mm-hmm. the first 12 months of ownership and barring the seller from placing reservations on certain high-demand models in the future. And in this letter, GM North America President Steve Carlisle... Uh, oh, Steve Carlisle. Carlisle. Carlisle mentioned the new policy applies to all of the new Z06's body style variations of the Hummer EV and the recently debuted Cadillac Escalade 5. He goes on to clarify. <clears throat> that would be an uh, Escalade V, it's sir. A, it's, it's a V, yeah. What? Yep. yep. That's that 650 plus horsepower <laughs> yeah. Escalade V that kinda does like, like a, a four and a half yeah. zero to sixty. That's, so that's the Hummer's kinda, not an E5. That's kind of no, that's kind of kind of like special bitch. performance uh, a way to, to know that a Cadillac has more power than your. You know, they did shooter. that just to jack with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he went on to clarify when uh, vehicles are quickly resold, particularly by unauthorized dealers or other resellers that do not adhere to GM standards, the uh, uh, customer experience suffers and GM's brands are damaged as a mm. result on certain high-demand enthusiast products, we are limiting the transferability of certain warranties. Yeah, that doesn't damage your reputation. Mm. And barring the seller from placing future sold orders or reservations for certain high-demand models as identified by GM if the vehicle is resold within the first 12 months of ownership. So basically, you lose your warranties and you can't buy no more. You know, this isn't even as bad as what Ford made Ford GT buyers do when they had to sign a contract. They wouldn't sell it for the first 24 months. And if they did... Ford went after those people who did it. Yeah. You, oh, that, yeah. Yep. yeah Remember, there was that one that was a John big C- deal. Yeah, John Cena C- sold yeah. his, and they went after him and sued him in court, and the eventual eventual outcome was Cena had to give $75,000 to a charity. Here's the thing. Of course, seventy five yeah. grand for yeah. John Cena. Probably. John Cena! Yeah, here's the thing, though. Because of that whole thing with the Ford GT, after those two years, the value shot oh, through yeah. the roof. Oh, yeah. Every like, one you, it of those. Was hard that, to press, it was hard-pressed to buy one under a million dollars. Every one of those oh that went across yes. an auction block was a seven-figure car. Yeah. That's insane. And I Ford was dumb enough to let me 000. drive one in Las Vegas. <laughs> what, what's wrong with us? What's? <laughs> well, we should have bought one, apparently. Uh, yeah, apparently. When yeah. they were cheap. Yeah, when they were only <laughs> 600 grand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll buy two. A representative from General Motors has confirmed the veracity of this message, adding that the company, and I quote, hopes these actions will help prioritize ownership by our top brand enthusiast and most loyal customers. You can't screw people. Only we can screw people. Yeah, it's our job to screw you. Hey, speaking of screwing people. From Hot Cars, a dealer tried to sell a 2023 Chevrolet C8 Corvette Z06 for (laughs) $100,000 over the MSRP. I wonder if GM's going to go after him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It depends. Is he going to keep it for 12 months? <laughs> Dealerships are more than happy with this high demand for the Corvette Z06. Aside of not having to experience the difficult time selling the sports car, they could also turn a good profit. Uh, one of the uh, these dealers uh, got in touch with YouTube's Street Speed 717, offering him a new Corvette Z06 at a tag that's $100,000 more than the manufacturer's suggested retail price. That's scuzzy. That's just scuzzy. Well, remember the dealerships of the Porsche? They were doing that with that GT4 RS. And it was scuzzy when they did it, too. Yeah. It's a little bit more higher-end higher car, per se, but it's still... I wouldn't pay that. I don't that's care how much money That's car scalping, basically. Somebody's yeah. standing right outside yep. of the dealership going, yeah, hey, I got two Corvettes. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got something to say about that, too. It is not unusual for dealerships to add a premium above the MSRP. Uh, they, they can, because the MSRP is just a suggested... Retail price. Oh. Uh, dealerships can take advantage of any high demand product and treat them as cash cows. Potential customers trying to get ahead of others are usually willing to pay 
more than what car makers suggest, even if it means getting squeezed out of their dollars. Uh, there will be a link to the video on readthedriven.com about this disgusting scam. Yeah, disgusting. it's scuzzy. It just it is. is. Yeah. But the other thing is, and I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due, mm-hmm. Ped Watts said months ago that Chevrolet, at least any dealers who are selling the C8, they're going to have to push up their game because the customers they're going after are Ferrari customers and Porsche customers, uh, Audi customers, and Lamborghini customers. And he's right. Uh, People who would buy those cars are used to a dealership experience that's quite a bit different than what you get from your average Chevy dealer. And I'm not knocking Chevy dealers. It's just they've been a more affordable car, and they have a more – a, a different approach to their customers. And to that end, I honest to God believe Chevy should should split Corvette off as a separate brand. I remember you mentioning that, and I, I was having some fun with it, but that's not a bad idea. And, you know, there's been rumors in would. the wind of them developing a Corvette sedan and a Corvette SUV, and I get that. You know, Porsche did that, and the SUV saved them. But I, I, I think that there's going to have to be a different kind of a customer experience if you're asking 160,000 or more for your cars and you're going after customers who are typically Porsche, Ferrari and other uh, upscale brands. I think I agree with you on this. Um, I I have a comment to make on the MSRP thing, but the only thing I want to say about that is um, if the manufacturer suggests that's what the price should be, then I'm not paying over that. That's just me me in general. Me either. But Why do you think I don't own a regular Stingray yet, or a C8? <laughs> but on the other hand, what you just said is something similar. So, and this goes back to smartwatches. Oh, yeah. Okay, remember when Apple first came out with a smartwatch, okay? It was the biggest thing. It's like they invented it. They made such a big deal. It's like they invented the smartwatch, yeah, but, even though they had been out for years. Yeah, but Garmin had the same that. thing. I got yeah. one of those upstairs. Well, they gave their customers, and they came in, an extra special. Like, if you wanted a Samsung watch, you go in there, I'll, I'll take the Samsung watch, please. And then they go, okay, it'll be this much. Here you go. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Well, Apple set up a completely different thing. Like, they wouldn't let other retail sell their watch yeah. at first. Yeah. They had to come in. They had this, oh, we have a fitting for you. They'd come in. They'd treat them like royalty. They'd do a fitting. They'd be like, oh, what do you think of that? Oh, here, let me get the rose gold out. Let's try that. I mean, like you were going to some high-end uh, bridal like watch company or something, and it's it's a freaking smartwatch that's yeah. going to probably die in the next couple of years anyways, and it's not that big a deal anymore because they don't quite make that big a deal of it anymore. But that's what they did. Perhaps with this Corvette being such a special thing, one of a kind of something they've never done before, especially this new mid-engine ordeal, yeah. they need to come in, have a separate spot put together off the side from everybody else coming in trying to buy a, a I don't know, so a you, Chevy Trax. You either have a, And give them a, that special thing that Apple did with the watch. Corvette section of the dealership. Yeah. Or you split it off as a separate brand. Yeah. And yeah. the I think the customer experience would be entirely different, and it would have to be. But, again, you're talking about going after the customers that typically buy 911s or Cayman GT4s or Ferraris or Lamborghinis. Corvagini? And, and that's... Mm, Corvari? No, it doesn't Corva? need to, <laughs> It doesn't need to be... Porsche? It doesn't need to be one of those other things. It's special all on its own. And the other thing is, even if it is $160,000 completely decked out Z06... Performance-wise, anything else you compare it to costs at least twice that. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. yeah. 
It will. And that's pretty freaking incredible. And that requires someone else to probably think they should get a little bit different treatment than the person standing right next to them won an Equinox. Plus, the yeah. chicks you pick up in a Corvette will, are willing to drink beer. And I have nothing but respect and admiration for that. Well, there you go. You see? If you say so. Yeah, you know, if it's a Lamborghini or a Porsche it's, or a Ferrari, it's all going to be white wine and Coke. <laughs> have you ever... I know you've had Mercedes. Did you, ever, did you ever make it into any Mercedes dealerships? Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you kidding me? With right. the Schadenfreude Express? Yeah. I know my service advisor by first name, and we talk about his band and right. what he's got. Yeah, I know. Right. Well, they have uh, one, of the, one of the Mercedes dealerships here in Kansas City. They have, one of them is a big Sprinter, Mercedes Sprinter dealer as well. Yeah. Okay. You're thinking, okay, it's a van. And most of them are just some stripped out uh, cargo van. There's nothing special to them except for you can go to the area – to buy one of these vans and have a little better treatment than you typically would if you go well, into uh, any normal dealership, also, uh, domestic de- dealership here in America. Also remember, we've got that Cayenne sitting in the garage. So I've got to met the, meet the uh, Mercedes arm of aristocrat and the Porsche arm of aristocrat. Yeah. And there's been a couple Jaguars. So, yeah, I've met all those guys. And had it's a very pleasant dealership experience. And, yeah, it's kind of enjoyable to have your ass kissed. I'm just saying, <laughs> I don't think you should have a better experience per se to go buy just a cargo van for a business than you would a corvette yeah well it's got that three-pointed star on it they're going to treat you the way they're going to treat you yeah, I suppose so. coming up here in just a moment we're going to have ed bullion and john Fakara. uh ed and john will be here to discuss the latest car track series the eighth car track series and why ed would get rid of the most reliable car he's ever owned what it takes to launch a tub of crap jaguar off a mountain in alaska and a whole bunch of other fun stuff and that's all coming up next here on driven radio show Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters in beautiful, steamy Overland Park, Kansas. It rained during the first half of the show, and neither uh, none of us knew. Our special <laughs> guests this week are Ed Bullion and John Fakara. Ed and John will, are here to discuss the latest car track series, why Ed would ever get rid of the most reliable car he's ever had, and what it takes to launch a tub of crap Jaguar off an uh, Alaskan mountain. Guys, welcome back to Driven Radio. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Yeah. Ed, uh, you and Tyler and Freddie have finished the eighth series of Car Track and presumably working on the ninth or maybe the ninth and the tenth. When you first conceived of this series, did you guys have any idea that this would wind up being so big? No, certainly not. And, and I mean... When we were talking to Auto Tempest about the premise of, you know, they, they wanted a higher quality, more produced, you know, YouTube product that might one day go elsewhere, the the reality of it was we kind of had an invitation to sort of do whatever we wanted. And oh, wow. that was obviously play Top Gear games. Yes. And yeah. so when, when that became a reality, um, I don't care if anybody watches it because it's enough fun that I do it just for that reason. It's been awesome that so many people have come along on the journeys with us. It's been, it, it, the idea that we've done eight of these already is something that won't set into me for years and years from now. Because if I, got, if I had to plan the next five years to do one of them, 
it'd be worth it. Like they're they are that much fun. It's the ultimate representation of why I love cars and how I love to use them. Do you have any idea how many views you've gotten on this? It's probably touching a hundred million, give or take. Uh, they're mostly on YouTube, but the, the, some of them get shared on Facebook and other things like that. But yeah, you know, give or take a hundred million. Holy crow! I had no idea. Uh, how is how have the series changed since you guys uh, started doing this? Are they old hat for you now? Is the is it you you have a, a kind of a formula for them? But I'm sure that it varies from series to series. Yeah, we have a, a very strict formula that we have stuck to for most of them, really, since the first. And that is, I make a few notes, the other two don't, and we show up with no idea what we're going to do. And then <laughs> things go really badly, and we try to make a story out of it. I can attest that that is completely true. <laughs> what? The spectators agree. What a plan. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, we showed up for the first one. And the guys that we'd hired to shoot it were like, do we have a shot list or a script or an <laughs> outline or a reservation for a hotel? Or No. We just, no. No. We don't. We have cars. <laughs> and we kind of know where we need to end up. So that should be enough, right? <laughs> and a, I think we invested show. a little bit more confidence than we should have in the idea that all the 11 Top Gear specials that we watched were uh, totally organic, natural, unscripted, and that's exactly how things happened for them. <laughs> so at this time of recording, the first two episodes of the eighth series have dropped. By the time that this show posts, it'll probably, the third one will most likely be out. Uh, for those who haven't seen the latest episodes, can you tell us what the premise is for this series? For sure. So Car Trek 8 was designed for us to find the greatest alternatives as gas guzzlers to a Tesla Model 3. So what is the coolest gas guzzling supercar you could buy for, call it, 35 to 45 grand? And uh, I brought a 2010 Bentley Super Sports, which would normally cost you eighty dollars or $90,000, but it doesn't if the car's covered 180,000 miles. <laughs> uh, and uh, my co-conspirators brought a, a Gen 2 Viper, our Gen 3 Viper, and a uh, C6Z06. And so we had an awful lot of fun. Spent some time at Atlanta Motor Speedway and Caffeine and Octane Race Flakes up in Brazelton. And uh, probably didn't solve any of the world's problems, but boy, we have a good time. How much grief did you and Tyler give Freddie when the Corvette Z06 grenaded itself in a rain-soaked <laughs> racetrack? Well, so Freddie's car for Car Trek 9 doesn't run and the truck will be there Monday. So Oopsies. we know that this is how life works for Freddie. So there are no surprises. There's no uh, lofty hopes. It's just a matter of we're going to see what happens when we get there. And uh, that, that was a representation of that. Uh, Jared had done a great job helping Freddie to prepare that car. And one week prior, the engine wasn't in it. So, uh, oh. you know. These types of things were bound to happen, and they sure did. We're glad to see that he has such tight time management skills. Classic Freddy. <laughs> That's, That's it. John, sorry, we haven't been picking on you yet. Uh, yeah. You've become a bit of a fixture on car track as an appraiser and an automotive expert. Uh, for those who do, don't know you, where does your expertise come from? I watched a lot of YouTube videos, <laughs> and I, I educated myself Bingo. about these cars, and then I went on uh, the most accurate of all things, um, Wikipedia, 
and I read all the articles, and then <laughs> I labeled myself as an expert. And I got uh, all my stuff from Crutchfield. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I, I, I've, I'm, I'm a lifetime car guy, um, bought, sold, driven, exploded, just about everything. And um, I've done a ton of Ed's uh, Vinwicky car stories. Yeah. Telling various stories from historical things to my experiences, my film car company in New York, to all kinds of automotive hijinks. So when this came along, um, it was almost it was almost back. I was I was I was just hanging out at Amelia, and the guys showed up with their cars. I had never met any of them before, and they were shooting the first series and. Um, I got the traditional picture with the three of them where Freddie points at you because you're the important picture in the picture and everybody else does their YouTube poses. And that was the first time I met the guys. And then it was kind of just came up. They're like, hey, you want to be on the show? And I'm like, well, why not? I can bring you down a notch. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, I always hesitate when people call me an expert. I like to think I know a lot about cars, but... I always know that there's more people that know more about me on little on certain subjects, but I come on there and do my best to appraise the cars and to put these guys in line with the junk heaps they keep presenting to the world as they're, I mean, there's some really, I mean, honestly, I, I, I get a lot of what I say gets cut out of the show, but these, these things are awful. Like these, they bring some truly dreadful cars, unprepared cars, stuff that when I did my film car days, I wouldn't even show up on set with, you know, I wouldn't dare to bring to any, uh, you know, to, to waste anybody's time on camera. So when you see the things that happen on the show, I, I get to, I get to hang out for a little bit of some of the shoots for three or four days. And it is legit what these guys are doing. And there is, I worked on a U.S. Top Gear for a while, which was dreadful. It's probably one of the worst things ever created. <laughs> um, that's the, the first edition with uh, <clears throat> uh, Tanner Faust. And, uh, uh-huh. yeah, Tanner Faust. And uh, that, that was as contrived and awful as it looked on camera, where the guys on car track are legitimately going through it. <laughs> like that stuff is breaking down and, and things are exploding. Like that, the Freddie Z06 rear axle snap would have been completely faked on top gear. They would have planned it ahead of time. They would have rigged something or just faked it completely. That actually happened. That look on Freddie's face where he's like, I broke my car. That's, that's the real deal. <laughs> As somebody who planned and uh, held the 2904 for a number of years running, I would yes. say you are an expert on craptastic cars. <laughs> I uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Just let that soak in. Uh-huh. There we go. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yes, I've 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 dragged many uh, heap across this country in oh, under and, 40 hours. That's and we're sure. going to get into that real soon. Okay. Uh, yep. Ed, are you at liberty to discuss any of the upcoming series or even what's coming up on the in this eighth series? And uh, what are some of the challenges you'd like to undertake that you haven't had a chance to yet? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question because it's hard. You know, it, admittedly, we after the 
fourth or fifth of these things, we were sort of through all of the the ideas that we had. So, you know, generally at the end of each of these, we're like, all right, hear me out. What if we go out and buy cheap supercars and we drive them a long way? And so, and sometimes we do that and we're going to do a little bit of that coming up. But at the same time, you know, we, we understand that the audience wants something different. We get a lot of like recommendations of like, well, why don't you pick viewers cars and things like that? But we're also a little bit constrained by the fact that YouTube videos live and die by the titles and thumbnails. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't have a, you know, titillating and captivating photo of interestingly colored cars, it gets really, really hard to, to succeed viewership wise. And that runs the risk of our sponsors not seeing the traffic they want to see. And so right. uh, fortunately, we've been able to send enough people to autotempest.com and the ticket clinic to, uh, to keep it going. But uh, we are about to go shoot uh, nine and ten, and it is going to be uh, an absolute train wreck. So I'm. <laughs> about that. I think that's why we keep tuning in. I think they. I think that's why less. we why we keep watching. We want to see what happens next. That that's is right. is not to plan. Mm-hmm. All righty, uh, John, back to you and uh, and your litany of craptastic cars. I'd like to congratulate you on your recent success of driving cross-country and across Canada and launching a crap box Jaguar off the top of an Alaskan mountain. Uh, could you tell us about your run to the north? Sure. We, um, we put together a bunch of guys. We called it um, the company Drive-A-Go-Go because we were kind of, <laughs> we were kind of tapped out on the, on the cannonball aspect. I mean, I've, I've run nine of them now i've been on 12 and going across the country was kind of like all right we've done that so uh ben charlie safari wilson recommended this event in alaska where it's at midnight the sun's still up so they can't shoot fireworks for the fourth of july and they this little little community comes out this guy's got a 300 foot bluff on the edge of a river and they jump cars off the cliff to celebrate the fourth of july and we're like, well, that sounds like a completely reasonable thing to do. Let's drive there in something we don't really mind going off a cliff and then fly home. I got to get in on so, that. So we called the whole event the Caravan of Carnage. <laughs> and we, uh, I bought a 74 Jaguar XJ6 um, with a Chevy, small block Chevy in it that sat on the valley floor of California for 12 years in this guy's driveway. And resurrected it. I did a few videos on its resurrection on my YouTube channel. Wonderful paint job, um, by the way. Which is Fakara Classic. And um, we got it running enough that I said, okay, it's, it can make the 3,000 miles from Reno, Nevada, which we where we started, to Glacier View, Alaska. And... Th- that act of hubris <laughs> was like it was it was we had two other we had two other vehicles join us we had a f-150 that was rotted out from uh, detroit with like the bed literally was being held together and i kid you not by the bed liner you couldn't spray get a liner. magnet to stick to that truck no and it, we dressed it up like evil knievel like an evil knievel truck so it had stripes and evil knievel logos on it and then the other one was a three hundred thousand mile cop car from Florida. <laughs> and so those guys had to drive out thousands of miles more to meet us in reno and uh 
Yeah, and then we we drove the three. Well, we were supposed to drive the three thousand miles to Alaska. Um, it became quite the journey, as you imagine, trying to get this geezer Jaguar up there along with the other vehicles. But Cliff Note version, we got we got to the Canadian border, crossed through the border. Believe it or not, they let us through, and <laughs> fifty feet into the border of Canada, there is a speed bump, which apparently is known by all the locals because we hit that speed bump and it tore the rear the right side exhaust off the engine it actually cracked the header in half holy cow <laughs> and we stopped i'm sitting there blocking all the entrance all traffic into canada stopped briefly because this jaguar which we had painted by the way like a giant union jack kind of like the jaguar from from uh, austin powers <laughs> mm-hmm. yep yep so this big union jack is sitting there and trucks are honking, and we're trying to get it out of the way. Fortunately, there was a really sweet guy who helped us out. And this is the reason to drive a small block Chevy anywhere around the world, is that in an hour, this guy's like, I got a buddy who's got one of those. You know, I can get this over here. And sure enough, guy shows up with the exact header we needed, stock wow. small block Chevy ever, slammed on there, got it going. We begin the drive again. And this took like five or six days. We get the, the next thing is we drive through. And if you haven't been there, it's amazing. British Columbia is stunning. And the roads are beautiful. And we drive through British Columbia. We are within spitting distance of the Yukon. And we get to our last gas stop before the Yukon. All the traffic starts heading the opposite direction. Uh-oh. And we find out that 154 feet of road has washed out two hours before we got there. Oh, oh my God. Now, wow. we have to make a detour down, we have to take the Alcon Highway all the way back the length of British Columbia and back up. Now, this distance, I figured out, is the same distance as the northern border of California, driving down to San Diego, and then coming back. <laughs> no. Or, the East Coast version of that is, you're in New York City, and the bridges to Newark are down. So you have to drive to Charleston, South Carolina to get to Newark. <laughs> wow. So we drove, we drove an extra 28 hours and 1,500 miles, basically, on a detour. Jeez. And what was crazier was that we would have been across that section of road if <laughs> earlier in the day, broken off. It, this, was, this was July 1st, early in the day, we came out of our hotel and these locals were like, those are really cool cars. And we're like, thanks. They're like, you want to be in our local Canada Day parade? I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, so we, no. t- Hell we yeah. led a Canada Day parade <laughs> with, with Captain Chaos from <laughs> Cannonball Run walking in front of us, along with a guy dressed as Evil Knievel, oh. who the locals thought was Evil Knievel's grandson, but he was just one of our friends dressed <laughs> oh, like Oh, my. So they're leading the parade. So if we hadn't done this parade, we would have made it across and saved ourselves a whole day, but... We end up cannonballing the last 48 hours of it in a 50-year-old Jaguar. <laughs> and we, we get to the Yukon, and the Yukon is where the roads get way bad. And we got that old Jaguar and everything else, without, not on purpose, about a foot in the air on those frost heaves. <laughs> we came in on them. We didn't, you can't really see them. And we were, had been used to been going like 65 miles an hour or so. And Matt, who was driving, hit one, full chat. And the whole car just goes, whew. And we're like, 
you know, where your hair kind of floats in the air and everything in the cars like floating around you in slow motion, then boom and sparks. And I thought we were getting lost. And this great old Jag soldiered on. So oh. we got there and, uh, this guy, Arnie, who runs it, is the sweetest guy in the world. We knock out the windows. We cut the exhaust off. And uh, we take it to the top of this bluff. 5,000 people show up for this. Oh, my. All dressed in, like, the weirdest, like, American flag jumpsuits. And it's like an orgy of America going on out there. And my, I intentionally brought a British car with a British flag because they had been jumping for years American cars with American flags on it. And I'm like, you're missing the point of the Revolutionary War. We should be jumping British stuff off of here. And there, we were, so it was the first time a British car had gone off. So we went there with like wearing tricorn hats and our British car. We were we, the, the Jaguar was the finale, but it was, if any, I can recommend to anybody, if they have a, a bucket list thing to do, is if they can't drive the car and jump it, just to go see this. It is spectacular. And they jump 13 cars. They jump them off the bluff at the crowd. And the hope is it kind of gets close and almost lands on the crowd. And they, like, <laughs> they have a pond dug in front of the crowd. That's the only safety measures oh is they dug this shallow pond in case something comes loose. And the Jag, when the Jag jumped, it came down nose first, tore the whole front of the car off the firewheel, and then the engine fired out of it like a cannonball <laughs> and was like spinning towards the people and landed in the lake. It was so gorgeous. Anyway, that was, yeah, that's what I do on a, that's my 4th of July. That's I know like, what I'm oh. doing next year, 4th of July. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> know what I'm doing next year. Yeah. Uh, I've really enjoyed Ed's look of better you than me, brother, the entire time you were telling that story. Well, he was supposed to go before COVID. We, we had planned this in 20 and yeah. Ed bought, of course, what did Ed got was this like, you know, twice buried in an avalanche underwater, five dead hooker, Mercedes <laughs> AMG. That, and my favorite part is he got it sponsored by like this, uh, this wax company or like what, what is like, I forget who it was, but it was like, it was supposed to protect the paint job as it went off the cliff or some nonsense. Exactly. But, but, but I, he sold the car during COVID. So he ended up not coming. Hey, Ed, speaking of selling cars, what on God's green earth would possess you to sell the most reliable car you've ever owned? Well, because I needed to drive the unreliable ones more. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I had a Ferrari 430 Scuderia for the last several years, and the car was perfect. It was the one that always worked when everything else had a laundry list of problems. And I, I loved it, but at the same time, I did everything in it in that amount of time i took it on rallies and mountain drives and every kind of car show and photo shoots and i had all the fun and i i sort of ran out of things to do with it like i I'd, I'd had all of the fun and the things that it could do on the track on the road all the all of it and so i there's a lot of cars that you don't mind parking and if if you don't happen to drive it for a month or two you don't feel guilty about it but that was not one of those cars like i felt like not driving this car doesn't work. And over the last three years, I've spent so much time making car trek cars work that my normal cars don't get driven all that much. And it, I hate that because I like driving them. That's why I bought them. Um, and, but, you know, generally it's okay if it's my manual LP640. I know I'm going to own it forever. That's fine. 
But if otherwise, I just, I don't know. I, I kind of ran out of reasons to keep it and uh, sold it all. So what would you like to try next? What have, what have you not had a chance to own that you'd like to take a stab at? Well, I just bought Missy Elliott's Spiker. Really? That's a cool car. It's yeah. super cool. I love them. I mean, so the dealership where I worked from 2009 to 2015, Motorcars of Georgia, now Motorcars of Atlanta, we were Lamborghini, Aston Martin, McLaren, Lotus, and technically Spiker. But uh, all the Spikers had been sold by then, so we still serviced them. So I'd seen the car. It's black with a red interior, gorgeous. I bought it. She hadn't seen it in five years, totally blind, didn't know how many miles were on it, but uh, made her an offer and met right smack dab in the middle and ended up owning it. Um, it, it's uh, it's actually down at Curated in Miami right now, which may have been a mistake because Sylvester Stallone's fallen in love with it, Uh-oh. and um, I, I I he may want it more than I do. He's but, got quite the collection too. So. God bless. That's him. a horrible problem to have. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But uh, I've been down there to drive it a couple of times, and I love it. Cool. Very. Cool. All right, guys. You've both been on the show before. We love having you when you on when you can find time. This is a question I've asked both of you before in the past, but so I'll have to modify it a little bit. What is the dumbest thing either of you has done in a car in the last couple of years? We'll just go with months. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Fair. So the Cartrex 7 car was a TVR Cerbera. (laughs) Yeah. And... There was a lot more that didn't work on that car than did. And we finished filming in Kingston, Georgia, uh, actually at what became the opening scene of Car Trek 8 on a fake bridge of the Star Trek Enterprise, which the proprietors are adamant was not made for pornographic purposes. <laughs> and... <laughs> We then right. had to get the TVR back to my house, which is about a five-hour drive at night. The headlights on that car work 20% of the time. And so I drove almost the entire way home between a camera car and Freddy's car at highway speeds with no lighting whatsoever. Oh, my. Yeah, not... And- no air conditioning, no ability to charge my phone, no ability <laughs> wow. to sit up straight in the car, you know, things. Pardon the pun, I, but not the brightest thing you could have done. I can, I can, well, att- I, I, fo- I was, intended, I hope. <laughs> I, was, I was following Ed for this in my, in, in my rental car and his one light would turn on, the other light would turn off. Like it was a joke, like a like a Lucas Electronics joke. (laughs) And and every once in a while, to to add to that, one of his exhaust pipes would just turn red and explode, and like things would come out, (laughs) and it would backfire. And then allegedly, this may have been on a road in Mexico, or it might have been in Georgia. uh, We wanted to see how fast it would go, so we (laughs) he took this thing into triple digits, which that. I believe was the dumbest thing you could possibly do in that car. It was that car was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. All right, Mister Ficaro, what's the dumbest thing aside from launching a Jaguar off a mountaintop? What's the dumbest thing you've done in cars in the last couple of years, or at least since the last time we had you on? Oh heck, my friend. Um, there's, there's, I mean, really, it, it, if you ask my wife, it happens 
weekly, really. <laughs> um, but I mean, the the, the Alaska trip uh, was one of the dumbest things I've done. If you put it on paper, because when you dro- when we used to cannonball across the U.S., it's it's the United States. There's a truck stop within distance, or this AAA within distance of everything. We headed off literally into the great unknown. I don't know a damn thing about Canada. None of us did. And the Alcon Highway is barren. The highway we had to then come up the second time is a quarter of that, like as far as civilized. <laughs> and we're like, and, and the Jaguar, I know this is going to be hard to believe, the same thing. We're driving that at kind of in, the, in the, the weird four hours of night that we had. Uh, the car in front of us was, was, was radioing with us. They're like, stop messing with us. I'm like, why? And they're like, well, your left headlight's on, then your left, both left headlights are on, then your right headlight's on, now you have no headlights. I'm like, can I get up closer to you? So we get up, like, on their butts, driving with no headlights, with, like, moose and bear and bison, at, and we have to keep going because we have to get there before July 4th. And we also, there were gas stations there closed at 830 and they don't have card readers at night. They shut the pumps down. Oh, oh, wow. And we have to drive 24 hours. There were times, and this is pretty much all of us that were driving had done cannonballs before. So we're a little, we're pretty grizzled on that. All of us are like super nervous. Are we going to make it? Are we going to break down in the middle of nowhere? Are we going to be eaten by a bear? And this isn't like American little black bears. This is grizzly giant Canada monster <laughs> head eating bears, right? And bison with horns on them. We saw all of this stuff on the drive. I can't put anything I've done in the last two years even close to the scale of that stupidity, that 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 detour we did in a beat up old jag that was barely running that was the dumbest and because we made it the most brilliant thing I've done. <laughs> you can't see it right now, but I'm having a lot of fun watching Ed laugh at you. <laughs> I can't see it. I can see your faces on Zoom, but yeah, Ed, Ed, uh, Ed's heard some of these stories. I'm sure I will be going on Wiki, Wiki car stories and telling them uh, for for that audience. And, and we look forward to it. Yep. We absolutely do, guys. Thank you so much for being with us. We've been speaking with Ed Bolian of VinWiki and CarTrack on YouTube and John Fakara of Fakara Classics and also Fakara Classics on YouTube. You can find all of the social media links for Ed, John, VinWiki, CarTrack, and Fakara Classics on ReadTheDriven.com. Guys, as always, thank you so much for being with us. It's always a pleasure, and it's always fun to dip our toe into your automotive pool. My pleasure. It's always great talking to you guys. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield, here for Corey Pratt and Mark Groves. Yo! We'll see you next time here on Driven Radio Show. Thank you.